Welcome to Paranormal Zend. We'll explore many things on this show. Monsters, ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, lost civilizations, extraterrestrial contact, angels, and psychics. With cutting-edge science, we'll explore these things and more in the late night, in the evenings, when the mind can relax and new ideas can be interjected. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Lynch, and welcome to Paranormal Zen. Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Lynch, and welcome to another Paranormal Zen. I'm standing here on the bridge of the USS Enterprise. No, not the aircraft carrier. The actual Enterprise. The one that, uh, the constitutional class, the one that Captain Kirk would fly around in. This old bag of bolts has always given me a lot of in entertainment and enjoyment over the past years. The idea that uh, over there in that chair, Mr. Spock would sit with all of his science and data, and over there is where Chekhov and Sulu would sit, navigation and control. And of course, in behind me is uh, where, where Uhura, and then on the other side would be uh, Mr. Scott would sit. And they would give the captain a lot of information that he would have to determine what to do with. I walk up to the viewing screen right here in front of me, and it's amazing that I can see so far into the galaxy. So far. We're in orbit around Earth, of course. We're not quite ready to go on our mission. There are a lot of things that have to be loaded, itemized, stored and then we'll get going on our mission out into the cosmos, the solar system, and then beyond. I always wondered what it was like to be lonely, to be encapsulated and lonely inside of a starship, set out to do things, waiting for that one moment of excitement, waiting at the end of the journey or somewhere in the middle that something would go wrong and we would have to fix it. A problem-solving situation. Which, of course, the Enterprise has always been in. A problem-solving situation. Whether by threat or encouragement, Captain Kirk would always find a way. Always find a way to make it all make sense. To challenge people's points of view. Their thinking process. And even though he may have been wrong once or twice, the idea was that he stood for something. He was not going to die for nothing. I think about this this ship and crew that is mainly their mainstay. They would rather stand for something than die for nothing. The ship is in good condition. And of course it can't reach the maximum warp of the newer generation starships. But this one has a warmth to it. Um, a, a feeling of home in a strange, strange way. I can see many sea captains going out with loads from China to America or going all over the world, navigating their large ships, sometimes with cargo, sometimes with oil, and they circumnavigate the globe. Long ago, there was a time when we used to do that. Long before there was earthquakes and t tsunamis and typhoons and floods and things like that, before the last ice age, we had a global network of shipping and supply, you might say. But now we are the epic, they were the apex of humanity. We are now the, the best and the brightest of humanity. We stand on two feet, we stand looking forward, deep into space. We need to understand that the way that man is to survive is to have a 
adventure, a curiosity, an inconquerable attitude that we can go out through a manifest destiny type of way, but not for destruction, but for harmony and justice. The human race is highly adaptable and it can live in almost any circumstance from the North Pole to the South Pole, on the equator, and everywhere in between. The human condition is the most adaptable genetic form on the planet. As I look at this viewing screen, I see thousands and millions of stars. I see our moon in orbit. And I wonder if we are good enough to leave Earth our home. Now, several things have to happen. We have to have incredible speeds to reach our nearest star, and we have to have oxygen, food, and the ship has to have a certain resonance called the Schumer resonance, the same as the Earth, so that our bodies do not decompose over time. We also need to have a form of gravity, if not also anti-gravity. But everything is already here. It was built into the ship so that we could survive. It's a, it's a, it's an envelope of environment that we need as human beings in order to thrive. We have our own laws that we govern ourselves, and we hope that these laws will govern everything else that we come in contact with. So we are trying to reach out and touch the sky. The idea is that this ship is a singular object, and there are thousands of these ships that go out to try to touch and protect ourselves, our solar system, our way of life. We stand on the forefront of all humanity. It looks at us, it watches us to see what we will do next. Will we lower ourselves to be barbaristic with just high-tech weapons? Or will we surpass that level of mentality and go further and farther than we've ever gone before? It takes men of vision to boldly go into that direction, into that area. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence. It takes a lot of will and desire to be the best. Every athlete, every martial artist has to become very dedicated to what he's trying to do in order for him to succeed. These ideas are not complex, but they are necessary for us to get out there into space and to go beyond the earth. We're deprived of faster-than-light travel, or at least wormhole travel at this time. But soon, what if we were given that technology? Soon, what if we were able to go beyond our own solar system, go into where the stars are in constellation that we understand, like the Pleiades, Orion. There are thousands of stars that are close by, Alpha Centauri, that we could get to in a matter of a very short time. We don't use we won't use antimatter into getting the warp engines to do what we want. That's too costly and dangerous. But we will go into a fusion process and we'll take hydrogen that's out into the galaxy and we'll convert that into fuel. So we'll have endless amounts of fuel. We don't have to really carry it with us, but we do have to collect it. The hydrogen will be mixed with oxygen, and we'll have a water supply. We'll have plants. We'll have an atmosphere. And we'll go out and try to be the best we can be. Many think that going out into space is a military, a military idea. That the military should be the first to go out. And there are many things, such as the Aurora Project and the Solar Warden Projects, that have led to military encouragements on several different planets. We're on 14 different planets, the human race, out there pushing through space, being shuttled back and forth by the tall whites and a few Pleiadians. But 
we still have a desire to reach out and to go beyond. These people are shuttled back and forth from these distant planets, 14 light years and less, and they're being shuttled by extraterrestrials that have come to learn to trust us. And we can build them bases, habitats for their expansion, as well as we'll learn a little bit more with ours. We've taken samples from almost all these planets. We've killed animals that are on these planets, and we've shipped them back to Earth for analysis and cataloging. But still, as we reach out, we're trying to find a place just like home, just like Earth. And if not, we'll be satisfied for this little vessel called the Enterprise. So far, the extraterrestrials that have reached out to us have been very pleasant, and we share concepts and ideas, but of course, they are looking out for their best interest as well. They need chemicals, and they need palladium, gold, uh, carbon fiber, just like everybody else, and they're willing to exchange certain things for certain things. They'll give us what we need, in return we'll give them what they need. There is a handful of entities, extraterrestrials, that use humans as food. They, they really enjoy certain parts of our adrenal glands and our brains. Many people that are missing, there's over, over 50,000 and up missing every year. Some of these are abducted and eaten. Some of them are just abducted and returned. I feel that the only way that we can gain equilibrium with our extraterrestrial friends is by reaching the point to where we can easily evolve and coalesce with them. But we need to have the same ground, the same ships, the same ideals. We can't go looking for war all the time just to prop up a bad economy. We have to go looking for peace so that the peace will give us prosperity in a new economy. The Enterprise has held its own for a very long time and it will go out and continue to hold itself up as being the best flagship of the fleet. But everything goes into obsolescence over time and has to be repaired, replaced, new ideas, new engines, new way of thinking. But still, down below, in all of that, we must repress our desire for conflict and war. We must grow into more of a logical understanding of what's going on. So, the other day, I was very satisfied knowing that 57 extraterrestrial species were coming to the Earth. They were making bases, they were talking to people. And everything was pleasant. Then the next day I learned there's 67 extraterrestrials coming to Earth, making bases, talking to people. And then, of course, there's a lady in Australia who just read, published a new book. And she says there's 250 different races out in our local arm of the galaxy. Our paradigms shift all the time. But we need to realize that the paradigm shift to peace is the hardest of all. Because a military is designed to do one thing, it's to conquer its foe, to destroy the problem. So therefore, we need other mentalities to make peace. There's a movie out, um, it's called Valerian, and it's an idea where a thousand cultures can come together to make a harmonious environment. They can live together, work together, share information, contact, and then we can expand our minds and our spirits through the cosmos easily, interjecting not only fears, but excitement, trust, friendship, which we need more than ever. The human race is a promising race, but what we're doing and slowly transversing into 
is a group of people that have built a society that does everything for us. It cannot teach us morals. It cannot teach us the will to survive. Your phones, your computers, the internet itself is designed to assist us, only to assist us, to educate us, so that we may understand the bigger, complex world out there. One day, a gentleman said, you will never reach the end of the internet. And if even if you use nuclear bombs, you couldn't destroy the internet completely. So we've grown. The internet has grown. Alexa has access to everything. Your cars will soon have Alexa or Siri built into them. Just like this ship, we can put it on automatic control and it will fly us wherever we want to go. Just like your cars will soon become driverless and your semi-trucks become driverless. We'll be watching our society surpass us to 2.0, to 3.0, and we'll be on the sidelines. It will make decisions for us. What kind of pizza we're going to eat, how much gluten we need, how much salt intake we're going to have. Our society will start to change because computers and their so-called AI intelligence will override everything that we're going to do. We don't have a choice. These computers are necessary for us to get into space, to go to Mars, to go to, back to the moon. But they're not here to replace us. They can go and do things, but it's up to the man himself to make that last final decision. But with AI, we can send this ship and others deep into space with no human occupants whatsoever. And they can scan and do sensors and do things that we couldn't do. We will become Captain Dunzel. We'll be watching our society move on without us, where computers will easily take over. Your cars, your factories, and there'll be nothing for the humans except to go into space, to do something different. We will have mapped almost the deepest parts of the ocean. We will have mapped Mars and the Moon and Venus. We'll have mapped so much of our own galaxy, our own solar system, and then we'll do the galaxy. But sometimes we have to have the courage to be first. We have to have the courage to do it first, to build it, make it, design it, to get out there and be first. It's not easy. Going into space is the most hostile environment anywhere that you could possibly imagine. It's worse than the depths of the sea. It is not designed for human occupation. It is just merely a road that we can take to reach the highest level of humanity. But we have to be moralistic. We have to be understanding. We have to be empathy and compassion. We also need to stand for our own wants and needs. We need to be equals on the table. At the table for negotiating, we have to be at the table to understand what everyone's needs are. Even ours. What do we need? What are we reaching for? What do we want? And how can we do it? Do we need assistance? Do we need more time? I mean, in the 21st century, we all thought we'd have flying cars. We all thought we'd have incredible medicines that would make us live to almost immortality states. But the problem is, is that every time we reach out, we take two steps forward and three steps back. Mankind's ideas haven't evolved. We've made things, yes. We made our environment easier for us to, well, one day it will decide everything for us. And there's an old song that says in the year 2525, if man will be alive, what wonders he will see. Standing on the bridge of the Enterprise, I, I think that this is a wonder. I think if we can harness what we have and the will to go forward, to be first, 
we can do amazing things. But it's going to take a paradigm shift. It's going to have to elevate us so that we're not afraid to go in this most hostile environment and try to survive. We have platforms, uh, particle beam platforms that orbit the Earth. We have particle beam uh, lasers, you might say, that go inside um, airplanes. And this looks something like from Star Wars. So the lasers or phasers, they're accessible today. We can have them, you know, as a defense mechanism. Shields, we can develop those later on. But everything that we have, everything that we understand and know, came from extraterrestrials. We are the workforce right now. We're the workforce of the entire galaxy. Humans are the workforce because we're designed to be that way. But that doesn't mean we have to accept that idea. That's been put on us by others that helped us to hybrid um, genetics for thousands of years. 250,000 years ago, we stood the same way we are now. Until they, at that time, destroyed us all by nuclear war. We're not sure what happened back then, but we are sure the ramifications and the effect. The effect was we developed amnesia. The war destroyed so much and so many people who knew something that we went back to a Stone Age society. And then the Ice Age came, because why? Nuclear winter. And that dinosaurs grew out of that. There is something called the Inca Stones, which should be renamed as the Paracaucus Stones, which are found in South America. The Inca Stones have depictions on them of dinosaurs, men riding dinosaurs, dinosaurs attacking other dinosaurs. That all happened in less than 200,000 years ago, until they were eventually all wiped out by mankind himself fighting to stay alive, fighting for the struggle to be at the table of his largest apex predator. Mankind has his ingenuity. He has a desire to be greater than himself. If it's focused in the right direction, we can become insurmountable. The odds for a human are incredible. We can beat the odds. If we work together, if we understand what we're going to get into. Fourteen planets are ours. Earth is just the very beginning. But we're on those planets because we've taken the, the space shuttle, like a bus, bus shuttle, to those planets offered us by other people. We need to have the same ships. We need to be at the same table. But we're not. We're still at the little kid's table. And that's our own fault. We don't get to see what the adults are doing. Because they don't want us to see. We wouldn't understand. We're too primitive. Basic. Our needs are basic. But we're the most adaptable species in this sector. So we can adapt. We can move on. But we've got to move our mind first. The biggest mountain is our mind. Move that mountain, move that mind, so that we all have a desire, a will to be first, to be strong, to be defiant against the odds of this never-ending adventure. Maybe space is the last frontier looking around I see that it might be but with every frontier comes hostility other races fighting for the same thing fighting for more resources fighting for more land more chemicals more gold more silver more palladium and it goes on we're all 
in a strange way, viruses. But there's a way to become better than that. Better than a virus. We can sit and learn to work with others. Trade. Understanding. And we can move on. What's 14 planets when we could have 30? And that our civilization could go to these planets for a weekend. Or to work. Or to play. We have found that the more complex the mind, the more the need to play becomes. And the older we get, the less play we have. Because we're, tr- we're so focused on day-to-day survival that we don't have time in our day to play. And the mind must play. We must play. Space is the last fanciful frontier. All the science fiction writers in the past have always looked at space as being, that's where we're going to go. That's where we need to go. Legends of the Babylonians and Sumerians, all the way up to the ancient Greeks, talk about things in the sky. Apollo on his ship that rides across the sky, which is the sun. There are so many things in our history that talk about the gods. The gods coming down to earth, helping mankind, being generous, being hospitable. And then we have to do the same. We have to collect the will to be hospitable, collect the will to be gentle and caring and empathetic as we go out into the darkness of space. I think everyone in time will come to these conclusions or will not be able to get off this planet. If we don't go to the table where the adults sit and talk and debate and harmonize with the rest of the groups, we'll always be at the kids' table. The little table will be the last to know, the last to be informed. There's another world out there below the surface of ours, and that is controlled by not groups or governments, it's controlled by extraterrestrials that have come to the planet to do trade. To trade with materials, trade with medicines, trade as we go. Because money in their idea doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Only thing that exists is the need, the want. And we need and want to get off this planet. Not that we have always polluted it and almost destroyed the atmosphere. The idea is to get off the planet so that we can look back at this little blue ball, this little point of light, and call it home. And that we'll return to after our mission is done. Yes, this is an old ship. It's been around for a long, long time. But the idea is that it's familiar, and it's comfortable, and it works very well. And we can call it home for a temporary time. As seafaring captains always know that it's limited, that the journeys seem to be forever, but at the same time, they always come to an end. We don't want clashes in space. We don't want to use what we have to defend ourselves or destroy other civilizations. What we have is just enough, just enough to look above the the top of the table and see what else is out there. So if there's 57 or 67 different species visiting the planet, I'm fine with that. That's, that's fine with me. If they're abducting people and developing new races for other planets, I'm kind of okay with that. But at the same time, there must be reciprocity. If they take something, they must give us something. If they give us something, we need to use it in the line of development. 
So one day we have a gas engine, internal combustion. Tomorrow we'll have an electric engine. And the next day we'll have a fusion engine. And we'll go on and on. We'll have shields that will protect us. Because the energy that we're finding out is easier and easier once we get away from the junk of the oil, the junk of the petroleum, the junk of other things. We'll get to a pure electrical capability. Something the size of a pack of cigarettes could power homes for hundreds of years. A couple of gallons of heavy water put into a fusion reaction could light New York for almost a hundred years. These things are not, not unknown. There have been books published on this. There have been internet lectures on this. But what has changed is what we have created, not the way we look at that creation. So now we have to turn around and look at ourselves and say, can we be better than this? Is there more than this? Can we be better than that? I look around at this old vessel and I enjoy it. It's a work of art. It's a work of imagination. It's a work of complex thought. I admire the people who would build this. I admire the people who sit in these chairs. Some people don't understand that whether you call it the USS Bounty you call it the USS Enterprise or the USS Constellation it is a home for a temporary time to go to do, to do extraordinary things we will have been given the opportunity to do that without the fear without the regret of not knowing what to do we have companions that are on this planet. They give us information and understanding. But they don't give us the ability to leave. They've kept that for themselves. I'm having a difficult time with this because I need to come to Zen with it. I need to understand that what is so wrong in giving the humans the ability do things for themselves? Is it because they desire the power over us to lord it over us so they can remain some faction of the gods? Or do they not trust us enough? Or do they not like us enough? I'm not sure. But I have I have been aware that there are some things that they don't like about us or they don't find us trustworthy but the same token we can say the same thing about them they've reached out into space looking for new resources new land gold, silver so what's wrong with us doing the same thing we wouldn't crowd their market any more than we are now we wouldn't throw them out of their dominance any more than they are now the idea is that there are many races out in space destroying other races for their planets. Just like the Americans destroyed the Native Indians for their land and resources. There are buffers out there that we need to understand. There's reptilians that don't care about humans. As long as they get their way because of the reptilian brain that's all they care about. The next meal. They can't see further enough, you know, far enough down the road to understand that we all need to have a basic understanding of everything. Wants and needs and survival. But we have to change our mind. We must supersede all this. We must come forth with a new paradigm. Not only welcoming these entities into the planet, into our construction and design, but also welcome them in as partners onto a larger project. In the original Star Trek mythology, the Vulcans 
saw something on their scanners. And then they said, this is the warp signature, signature of warp drive. And then they went to investigate. And through the investigation, they found it was one man with one ship who was willing to do the impossible. And therefore, they stopped, came down, and made contact. I think with an even idea or trade, the idea is that we could all make contact and then move to a greater horizon. Sure, it may be clunky and arbitrary at first, but you might say that about anything that's in space. But it's the idea that it would be an artificial environment and something that we could call home for a temporary time as we go out and investigate the stars. We are not afraid. To go into the paranormal itself, you must lose your fear. You must lose that idea that it's going to attack you or it's demonic. We have to look at these things as they are become neutral, understand what they want, understand their needs, and then go far beyond that. Can we have the charity, the empathy, the idea of compassion in, in, or, in order to help them, in order for them to help us? Can we do that? Are we designed to do that? I'm not sure, but we have to come to Zen with it. We have to come to an understanding that they want something, they need something, and we want something, and we need something, and that we must work together to reach Zen. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it with people always greedy, always demanding, always trying to climb the top of the ladder. I can't do it with just materialistic mentality. I have to do it with something else. I have to do it with mentality that's stronger more perseverant than what we have now. An understanding that you can have all the money in the world. It's not going to do you any good if you can't fix yourself. You can have all the land. You can have all the power. You can have all the politics. You can have everything you want. But if it doesn't help you change your mind so that you are better, stronger, and willing to do the impossible, then it has done nothing all that stuff has done nothing for you. Materialism is destroying our entire mind, our will. It's encapsulating us into where we will be on the sidelines watching our society go on without us. Our probes have been to Mars. Our satellites orbit other planets and go beyond the solar system. We have so much information, so much data, that we can't hardly go through it. So the need, the need to do it ourselves becomes the paramount thing. It's amazing. Michio Kaku talks about meeting an extraterrestrial uh, entities within the in next century, within, you know, by the year uh, 30 you know, 10 will, will have bumped into another society. Well, I hate to inform him, but they're already here. And they've been here for 200,000 years. And they're not going to go away. They're not going to disappear. They're here forever. Mankind doesn't have the luxury. The planet Earth sometimes goes against him. Sometimes it works with him. But for us to have a reason, a purpose, an agenda for the apex of humanity, the best and the brightest that we are, then we need, we need this adventure to go forth. We're not over, we don't have really a problem with overpopulation, but we do have a problem with food and fuel. And we could have enough if we just open our mind to space, to go beyond fuel, petroleum, oil, and move into something totally different. We have the capability. We can use printers that print out walls and flooring for the ISS space station. We have ability to make medicines in space that are more effective, more effective than any medicines made on Earth. 
We can make metals in space that are most strange and strong of the most basic elements we have on Earth. The anti-gravity, the, the lack of gravity gives us a unique building material. And that's why a lot of this stuff is made in space. The UFOs that you see, the little sports model UFO, that's all made in space in the centrifuge, which just drops a little bit of magnesium, aluminum, silicon, and the whole thing just appears, like a potter making a bowl on a wheel. The whole thing is that they think big. They have big ships, they have lots of crew, they think big. And we need to think even bigger and better in order to get there, to get out there. We have to fix ourselves, and then we have to be better than that. We have to fix everything else along the way. Our families, our friends, our society. And come to the realization that everything that we have, and we get ten times more, will never be enough, because we will still be stuck on this planet. Unable to get out unable to get away from the mess and the debris and the junk and the trash that we have made. We, if we don't recycle, if we don't find a way to recycle, we'll never be able to get into space. Because everything in space needs to be recycled. We need to have plastics that will break down, metals that we can reconvert. If you go around the world in different locations, you'll find that there are stones that have been cut a certain way because metal possibly nickel and something else was melted down and then poured into these cut grooves to lock the stones in place we find that to do that with that metal requires so much heat that they had to have it liquid and they had to move it around but in several ancient sites South America China Egypt, they are all there. And the metal is something strange. It's stronger than we had ever thought. These little staples poured into these cut grooves sustained those rocks in place with no mortar. This is uh, this is a mind-boggling situation because why would you want to do that? It's because of earthquakes. Once they're locked in the place, the stones are locked by these little grooves. They stay there. And no earthquake can change that. This was a paradigm-shifting idea. Several other paradigm-shifting ideas have come down through us through time. We've improved upon it but that doesn't mean it can't be better. If we build the infrastructure of our nation to where we have roads and railroads and aircraft and things that we can ship and haul all the way around the United States, the Earth, then we have a basis for launching a greater society where no one would be in need or want, where no one would go hungry at night. We have clothing that is mass-produced on such a level that we could start burning it or recycling it at today, and we still have enough clothing for the next hundred years. They've taken Levi jeans and broken them down and made dollar bills out of them, taken the cotton out of the jeans and then put them in dollar bills. So a lot of your dollar bills in America are made with linen, not paper, so they don't break down when you wash them. These are basic concepts, basic concepts that we can mass produce and then go deeper into space, using them as building blocks to a new reality. But we have to shift the paradigm, and not that it's designed for money, but it's designed to help us all to get out into space. Medicines, metals, plastics, all of this could be redesigned, printed out, and we go deeper deeper into space. We need talent is what we need, but we're not investing into that talent. 
Very little money is spent on talent. But college colleges charge astronomical prices just for you to go there. Do they promise you a job when you get out? No. Do they promise you uh, that you'll be a Rhodes Scholar or, or you'll know something? No. That's up to you. You to pay back your bills, you to learn something. But what if they're just teaching us the bare minimum and not really getting into the reality of what we think is out there? To travel across the galaxy in a few days, not a few thousand years. To travel to the moon in seconds. To travel to Mars in an afternoon. These things are all possible with the technology we have today. And somewhere, in some underground base, maybe they are putting these things together. The first fusion drives, the first laser-guided um, capabilities. Mapping the solar system. Maybe somewhere, in some underground facility, this is all coming together. And then, maybe not. Maybe man will always be the workforce of the solar system, of the galaxy. They'll always come to us for the heavy work, the grunt work. And then that's what we're designed to do. The grunt work. To mine the gold, to mine the silver, and then pass it on to the gods. Or are we better than that? I think we're very much better than that. I think we can go beyond whatever the gods think of themselves. If we desire to do that, think of changing your paradigm. I enjoy this old ship. It's like many old ships I've been on. Many are parked on Boston Harbor and out in Massachusetts and in Connecticut. And, uh, and they're all sentimental. You know, you never want an old ship to go away or be destroyed. But at the same time, there's always room for newer, stronger, faster ships. And that was the odd thing. When sailing ships went to steam, and steamships went to oil, and oil went to diesel. The amazing thing is that we've always had better ships, stronger, faster, that can handle more weight, more water. And all we needed was the men to sit there and watch them succeed. We are part and parcel of the ship. The ship gives us freedom, movement through our own cosmos. It's like a car or an airplane. Once you get one, the first thing you want to do is take a drive. The first thing you want to do with a starship is to take it through its run. Get all the cobwebs out. Get all the gremlins to go away. So that we can strive to test ourselves and our knowledge in the corridors of space and time. Now, Michio Kaku and many others are completely fine with where we're at right now. But that's, uh, that's, that's relative. I'm not fine with it. I want to get into space. I want to explore. I want to be on a ship like the USS Enterprise. I want to see what's on the other side of the moon. These are basic things, basic emotions, basic feelings, basic ideas. But if we can change our paradigm, we can get there. If we don't, we'll languish in the backwater and we will never get off this planet. And that's the first thing that we desire the most. Somewhere where it's freer. Somewhere where it's different. And the freedom gives us the ability to have an adventure. You can virtually drive a car almost anywhere in the planet, even into the Amazon jungle. You can drive a car almost anywhere, you know, to the North Pole, almost to the South Pole. There are roads everywhere that will take you wherever you want to go. But these roads have been used and abused for mankind to seek out a new adventure. But now the roads are not clearly marked. It's between stars, between planets. And these roads need to be mapped, need to be understood, not by soldiers completely, 
but by understanding that out there somewhere, there's another group of people just like us, burdened, burdened, bent down, struggling to be at the table. I hope that one day, very soon, we'll be able to leave the planet in ships designed for the human capability, the human resonance, with the human understanding, and that we'll be able to go out with our friends and survey the vastness, the darkness of the unknown of our own solar system. One day we'll go beyond our solar system. We'll understand dark matter better. We'll understand quasars better. We'll see suns go supernova. These are incredible ideas. In the movie Blade Runner, they created a symbiotic replicant of the human so that it could send them. They only had a four-year lifespan, and they were downloaded with the knowledge of understanding, so they weren't really um, computers. They were actually biological. We would send them to do our dirty work. They would become our slave class until they realized that they were better than us. They were stronger, they were faster, more intelligent, and they wanted more life. We don't make such demands. What we want is just to be at the table, to understand the ideas that they understand their ideas and values of God and morality, their understanding of, of really what they want and also what we want and what we need in order to survive. Our planet's going through several different phases right now. We can't stop it. It's too late. No one cared or cared to understand because profits were too high. Greed was best traded source on Wall Street. But now it's all coming around. They've taxed and abused their privilege under the guise of development. Scientific research. And we can charge whatever we want and abuse you however we need. But that's not the case. Going out into space will be the great equalizer It'll take the best and the brightest of, of us to get there, and the best and the brightest to be on those ships. And then they will be our ambassadors to a whole new frontier. Ambassadors of strength. Ambassadors of the law. And we'll find justice. And we'll find ourselves. Out in space. Deep, deep in space far from our home planet. Nostradamus said that we would have two different varieties of humans. One would be in the star systems of Sagittarius. The other one would be in the star system of the Pleiades, I think, or Orion. And that we would drift into space in our space stations because our Earth would go under a massive destruction. We will get into space but I don't want it to be the lifeboat of space travel. I don't want it to be the blow-up lifeboat of space travel. I want it to be the best that we have to offer. I want warp drive. I want faster-than-light travel. I think we can do that. I think we can understand how this all works. I think we can get ourselves out there. And then we can, they can start trusting us more, and we can start trusting them even more. We have to trust. We have to become entwined to their needs and wants, just like they need to be entwined with us, not treating us as children or secondary citizens in our own galaxy. I think everyone needs to come to the table. Everyone needs to sit down with what they need and want, and we can trade. We can trade among them among the stars. One day, maybe, I'll come to Zen with it. I'll let the greed slip by and the demands for wants and needs 
to override everything. But maybe we'll all come to Zen. That going into space, having a new frontier, is not for the elitist. Is not for the the ones that um, have the money or the finances or have exploited the most. But for everyone to be trained to develop a courage, a paradigm that they can go deep into space. Being alone is not that much of a hassle. It's just whether or not you can survive the environment. Think about it. What will you come to Zen with? What will you understand as being a necessity for these, the continuing of our civilization? Is it better medicines? Is it better food? Is it better fuel? Think of whatever you can think of and then try to improve it. Because we're going out there by hook or crook, whether it's uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, we're trying to get off this planet. We may not be able to sit at the table at this time. And this enterprise may be something of science fiction. But at the same time, it's what we need to get out there. To be equals. To be an adult. And to sit at the table of the galaxy. Thank you for listening. I hope this has given you reason to think and believe that there's a more positive world and it doesn't have to be wrapped up in materialism that it can be wrapped up into something of an adventure one day I hope that there will be a Captain Kirk I hope one day there will be a Mr. Spock I hope that one day there'll be a Sulu and Chekhov I hope there's always going to be someone out there willing to take the risk I hope that there's people out there willing to take the risk and also go where no one has really gone before when we go into the paranormal it's the same idea the same concepts don't be afraid to be first don't be afraid of being afraid once the truth is known once the truth is known, then we'll all mature. We'll all be better. Better humans. Better understanding. A better way of life. Not to be afraid. Not to be afraid of traveling from planet to planet. From star system to star system. Not to be afraid of negotiating what you need. Not to be afraid of being first. There's many heroes that have been on the planet from ancient Greeks to all the way to today. Heroes of extraordinary physical capabilities. Mental capabilities. But we need to harness all that and then we need to put that together to good work. To go deep into space with a crew willing to take that risk, willing to shift their paradigm. Sure, I'm not going to say that everything's going to be the same that it is on Earth. Nothing will be the same. But we are adaptable. We are malleable. We can continue to exist in the most hostile of environments because we're human, designed to adapt but we must adapt our minds thank you for listening this has been Dr. Lynch this is your paranormal zen deep into space as the ship now is ready to leave thank you for listening we'll talk soon